All right, well, summer. It is nearly upon us, the unofficial first day of summer today, and um, I think it is most fitting that we as a nation pause and recognize each year the price that was paid and is being paid even as we speak for our freedom and for the peace that we as a nation enjoy. And I am very, very grateful for the men and women who put their lives on the line for our sakes. Uh, Even just being able to look forward to a summer of relaxation and recreation is an extreme privilege. I have lived in many places in this world where there is no summer, there is no vacation. There's the growing season and the hungry season, and that's it. And I trust that we are all very grateful for what we've been blessed with as a nation, and I pray that we as God's people are constantly living in a visible state of thanksgiving as we live out the attitudes that should accompany such blessing. Let's pray, and then we will get into the word this morning. Father, I thank you for your presence with us this morning. I thank you that when we come to do this, we do not come alone. We come into your house filled with your spirit and your people. And I thank you that you are right here this morning. I pray, Lord, that all of the, the worries of this world, all of the busyness that has worn us out so much, will all be lifted and taken away by you right now. That we'll be able to just release and allow you to speak to us, to minister to us, to heal what needs to be healed, to encourage those who need to be comforted. And Father, we do have several in our congregation who are really struggling right now, and we just ask that you would be everything that they need, that they would find in you all that they need to face what they're going through. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this weekend. We thank you for all it means. Thank you for the tremendous gift of freedom and peace that we enjoy here for all that has been paid to gain that for us. We are truly grateful and humbled. Help us not to take this for granted. And as we look this morning into your word, help us to find there the reality that you are everything that we need, that you are more than enough. And so we commit this time to you and ask that your will would be done. And we do so in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, I want to take some time to set up our summers, personally, individually. And I'm guessing that nearly all of us, if if not everyone, are looking forward to this summer. We've made it through a long, snowy winter and a strange, cool spring so far. And now here we are anticipating our summer plans and dreams. And I know I certainly have my own dreams and goals for this summer. I look forward to sitting next to a bonfire with my wife I look forward to teaching my two older boys how to catch and throw a baseball well. I look forward to teaching my younger son, Asher, how to make a K sound. (laughs) He just can't. It's just hilarious. Cookie is tutti. That's it. We have to decipher these things. I'm looking forward to reading the Chronicles of Narnia together as a family every day. Looking forward to getting anything I can get my hands on and putting it on the grill. And I'm looking forward to catching a few fish as well. Now, we all have things that we're looking forward to this summer. It may be rest. It may be relaxation. It may be some form of recreation or simply taking time off from something. And these are all good and necessary things. But this morning, I want to challenge us to push our dreams a little farther, to give up our small ambitions, as St. Francis once said. More than all these things that we look forward to, I want to challenge each of us 
to set our goals higher, maybe a little higher than they've ever been before. And I include myself in this challenge as well. As I looked into what I might preach on today, I was a little torn. I have certainly enjoyed this last sermon series. Uh, The prayer that Christ offered up for us in John 17 means more to me now than it ever has before, and I hope that's the case with you as well. So I was considering a continuation of that, but I didn't want to miss the opportunity to set up our summer a bit. We in this culture have a tendency to take the summer off from everything, including our own spiritual life. And there's a real danger in that. We spend a lot of time and energy and resources on that rest and recreation. And without even being aware of it, that rest and recreation, which we need, can easily become a much more valuable treasure to us than it was ever intended to be. When we look to those things, to those activities, those trips, those indulgences, to meet our needs, we have to be careful not to allow ourselves to be deceived into thinking that they truly do meet our needs on a spirit level. Our spirits will still have a great need that those things cannot satisfy. And satisfaction itself is the need that I'm talking about this morning. So what do we need to do to find the satisfaction that our spirits desire? Well, our bodies can be very easy to satisfy. This past week, Kim and I spent a, a wonderful evening with a couple from the church with whom uh, we share a common passion among other things. It's a passion for ethnic food. And so we dropped the kids at the sitter's house and made our way to St. Paul to a place called Everest on Grand. And it's on Grand Avenue, and they call it Everest on Grand because they feature food from Nepal, Tibet, and northern India. And believe me, my body was satisfied. Uh, We indulged in some curried lamb and jackfruit buds and some yak dumplings. And to quote my wife, my stomach was so happy. (laughs) Our minds, we can easily satisfy. I have a stack of books set aside that I'm hoping to read this summer. And next Sunday, I'll add a a recommended reading list to the bulletin and give you some good, uh, good ideas about what's new on the Christian Living book market. There's some great stuff out there. The, The past few years have produced some really inspirational writing. But what about our spirits? What about our spirits? Why, when we're looking forward so much to satisfying our human side this summer, would we neglect to satisfy our spirits as well? And as I was exploring some options for this sermon, I was led to a passage that I want to share with you. And from that passage, draw six essentials that we need to pursue in order to experience that spirit satisfaction that I'm talking about passage that God has laid on my heart is found in Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55. And I got stuck after only three verses. And so we're going to look at just those three for the next few minutes. They are once again a clear example of the richness of the word of God. Let's look at them now. They'll be up on the screen for you today or go ahead and open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 55. And we're going to We're going to look at the first three verses together, and here's what they say. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. 
and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. What a beautiful and inviting passage. The prophet Isaiah is in the midst of receiving some words from God that speak of the one who was to come, of Jesus Christ. And if you remember just two chapters before this, God speaking through Isaiah about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ in Isaiah 53. And he gave a very vivid and accurate picture of what was going to happen to Christ. He talked about the forgiveness, the healing that would come through the death of Jesus. Now he's prophesying about the ministry of Christ and the invitation that will be given to all, even to us Gentiles, to come to Christ and find the satisfaction that God desires to give us. These three verses say so much about us receiving the richest of fare, the satisfaction that God's ready to pour out on us. And this really caught my attention. So I want to lead us into a little time of reflection as we break this passage down and then just let it sink in before we skip into summer neglecting the opportunity to be truly, significantly satisfied in the months to come. There are six things that I believe we have to do to discover this satisfaction, and they seem to be, in this passage, in order from the hardest to the easiest, in a sense. And let me clarify that these are not six things that we can do to earn satisfaction. This is not another achievement-driven exercise. We don't earn God's favor. He offers that freely, And that's why I entitled the sermon, Planning Your Summer Menu. This satisfaction is a feast that is available for us if we just know how to find it and we make an effort to do so. The first ingredient then in my summer menu plan is this. I have to thirst with desire. I have to thirst with desire. So let me ask you the tough question right off the bat and the answer to this question can hurt a bit but it is so necessary to face. Have you lost your desire, your thirst for God? Have you lost your desire? So many of us have been Christians for a long time, but that desire for God and for his presence, that hunger and thirst that should characterize our every day is simply not there. Entire days go by when we don't even think about Christ. We're not connected when we pray, when we read the Bible, when we attend a church service or a Bible study. There's no longing there, no desire to make us long to be in God's presence, no thirst for the words and character of our Creator. Did you sigh when you heard verse 1, come all who are thirsty? And you just went, well, that rules me out. Far too often, we have equated this thirst that the Bible keeps mentioning with passion. If you don't have that passion, that emotion, you must not be thirsting for God, right? So pause for a moment and think about thirst. I do not equate the times when I have been truly thirsty with times of emotional passion. Let's not confuse the two. Passion and thirst are not the same thing. When I'm thirsty, I'm distracted. I'm dissatisfied with the way that things are. I'm aware that there's something missing. I am not passionate. Now, I've lived in the desert. I've reached the point where I stop sweating because I'm that dehydrated. 
I know what it is to be thirsty. I've been thirsty. And when I've been thirsty, there's only one thing that can satisfy that thirst. It's liquid. It's water. I have to have it. I need to find a source of water fast. I have the desire to find what satisfies so that I can be satisfied in what I'm doing. That's thirst. You and I are thirsty. We need water. The water of life that can only be found in God. You and I thirst. We need God even more than we need water. So the question then is not what we do to demonstrate for others that thirst that we have so that they'll think that we're spiritual people. The question is what we're going to do or if we're going to do anything to quench that thirst. And in the satisfaction of that thirst, God reveals himself to the world through us. Not in the passionate thirsting. God wants to do something to relieve our thirst. Not just craft us into dramatic thirsters. So the invitation in verse 1 is to everyone. Come, all you who are thirsty. Do you want to have that need met? Do you want to have that thirst quenched? Do you want to experience satisfaction? Then come. It's your move. Do it. Come. Come to the waters. And look at God's promises for when we do come. Second Chronicles 15, 15 talks about the people of Judah, and it says, They sought God eagerly, and he was found by them, so the Lord gave them rest on every side. That's satisfaction, rest. Jesus also invited us to come to him and find that rest, to have that thirst quenched, excuse me. Listen to what Psalm 63 says about this thirst and its quenching. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Our thirst and the quenching of that thirst will lead us to total satisfaction. God will not fall short in satisfying us, so we must acknowledge our thirst. We must declare to God that we're thirsty, just like David did in the psalm. We do thirst, and the reason that life can be so unfulfilling at times is because that thirst is there, and we are not fully satisfied. Let God meet that need for you, that thirst. You will not be satisfied until you've let him do so. The second ingredient in our summer menu plan is this. I have to assess myself with humility. In verse 1 of our passage, Isaiah writes, And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. And here's a very clear declaration that we cannot buy the satisfaction that God is offering. His satisfaction is not a reward for those who have earned it. It is not being held back until we reach a certain level of holiness It is not being held back until we get control over that sin that keeps tripping us up. It is not being held back until we grow into a certain stage of spiritual maturity. The very opposite is true. Are you aware that you cannot afford God's love? Well, good. Then come, he says. Come. Proverbs 29, verse 23, points out this wonderful dynamic. 
It says, pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. And Isaiah speaks later after our passage, these words of God in Isaiah 57, 15. For this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. We need to acknowledge our status before God. We are broke, but we have been given the privilege of a place with the greats. The Trinity that Peter preached about last Sunday has invited us to fill out their foursome. I was invited to play golf this past Monday in the Young Life Golf Marathon. And that was the image that came to mind after reflecting on the mystery of the Trinity just the day before. We've been invited to dance with the Trinity. We have been made one with them through Christ, but only by the invitation of the high and exalted one. And that invitation was extended to those who have no money. We have no way of earning our way into the satisfaction that God desires to give us. Pray that we will have that kind of perspective regarding ourselves. We must assess ourselves with humility. <clears throat> Third ingredient in our summer menu plan is this. I have to reason with discernment. I have to reason with discernment. In verse two it says this, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Where do you look for satisfaction? Where do you look for it? How much of what you seek out to satisfy really delivers on the satisfaction of your spirit? Does any of it? Or are we seeking things that will satisfy our bodies and our minds, maybe even our emotions, but neglecting the satisfaction of our spirits? Are we ignoring Jesus' invitation to have all those needs met as well? by seeking our primary need, the need for God first. Now the character in the Bible that most stands out to me in this area is of course Solomon. If anyone's qualified to address this subject, it's him. Solomon had it all, he had everything anyone could possibly want to satisfy himself and we know what he thought of all that, yet we ignore his advice so often. Listen again to what he discovered in the midst of being arguably the wealthiest person to ever live. Ecclesiastes 1.8, all things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. Ecclesiastes 4.8, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Ecclesiastes 5.10, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. And Ecclesiastes 6.7, everyone's toil is for their mouth, yet their appetite is never satisfied. And the words of Isaiah agree with this. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? That pursuit is meaningless if our spirits are being neglected. What God has to offer in the satisfaction that he can provide is not just meaningful, it's eternal, it's forever. 
and nothing on this earth can provide eternal satisfaction. The next ingredient is this. I have to listen with care. I have to listen with care. Verse two and three. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. How many of you could use a little solitude in your lives right now? We need to create time to listen. We need to create time to listen to God through the teaching of his word and to his Holy Spirit directly through prayer. Can I just briefly mention one thing that I'm praying will characterize us as a church as we move forward into God's future for us together? I'm praying that we will be known as a community of self-feeders. We are to grow up in Christ and in his truth, and that growth is not going to happen if the only time that we're ever being fed is during the 30-minute sermon on a Sunday morning. That is not God's desire for any one of us. We allow so much to enter into our ears and in so doing to shape our character and our very lives. How much of that is the listening that God is talking about through Isaiah designed to bring us satisfaction? How much of our time in life is spent listening to God? God sent a warning to his people through the prophet Amos. Listen to what he warned them about. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. That is a terrifying prospect. Jesus talked about this hearing of the word of God when he taught the parable of the sower about seed that fell on different types of soil. He said, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. And within this exhortation to listen, Isaiah's words reveal the satisfaction that we're talking about this morning. In verse two of our passage, he says, listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. And that's our fifth ingredient. I have to receive with delight. Does my face, does my attitude, does my life reflect the gift that I have received from God? This satisfaction that is the richest of fare. The satisfaction we gained from eating a wonderful meal the other night was evident to all around us. The satisfaction that I gained by playing golf for a whole day on a beautiful golf course was evident. How about the richest of fare that God has given me because I have come to him, listened to his word, and received? I hope it shows in my life. And if you feel that you cannot see that joy, the joy of the Lord in my life, just come and tell me, all right? Because if that delight is not there, I'm obviously not feasting on the richest of fare. My ministry is not the richest of fare. My home is not the richest of fare. Not even my family is the richest of fare, and I delight in them greatly, the satisfaction that God gives every one of us who come to him and listen to his word 
brings delight beyond compare. There's another version of this verse that reads, listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. This same message is spoken by God through the psalmist in Psalm 81, verses 13 to 16. This is what it says. If my people would only listen to me, if Israel would only follow my ways, how quickly I would subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him and their punishment would last forever. But you, you would be fed with the finest of wheat. With honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. God wants to satisfy us and to see us respond with delight at what he lays before us to nourish our spirits. What does your spirit want? What does it need? The sixth and final ingredient from this passage that I want to address has to do with our response as well. I am to receive what God has offered me with delight and I am to do something else. I have to reciprocate with love. The last half of verse three says this, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. And that love promised to David has been extravagantly poured out on us in the person of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In a passage from the book that we'll study throughout the summer, from which we're going to draw great satisfaction and nourishment, Ephesians 2 Verses four and five. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. And in case we're too slow to figure out what an appropriate response to that love is, Jesus spelled it out plainly for us when he was asked about the greatest commands. He said that we should focus on loving God with everything that we've got and unloving those around us. The covenant that God has made with us is a covenant based in love, and it is a two-way street. He loves us first, and we love him back. And in that covenant, our spirits find deep, eternal satisfaction. Where are you going to look to satisfy your spirit this summer? Don't just care for your body, your mind, and, in, and your emotions, and yet ignore your spirit. Make a quest for spirit satisfaction one of your goals this summer and always. God desires to satisfy you. Let him do so by thirsting with desire, by assessing yourself with humility, by reasoning with discernment, by listening with care, by receiving with delight, and by reciprocating with love. Three verses. Isn't the word of God something amazing? And isn't it truly satisfying? Don't leave it, don't leave him out of your summer plans. Don't allow yourself to be just partially satisfied. We're gonna do something different to close the sermon this morning. Peter and the worship team are gonna come right now. And they're gonna get ready to do this next song for us. Um, after that song, we'll take the offering, but um, this is not a, a stand up and sing kind of a song. 
I want you to stay in your seats. Our desire for this song is that we allow the words and the music to guide us through a time of personal response. We're going to ask that you take this time while the song's being sung to respond to God about what we've just looked at together. We're to be hearers and doers of the word. Don't leave here just having heard this morning. Take some time in reflection as this song is being played and commit to God how, how you will practice what you just heard. How are you going to pursue the satisfaction of your spirit this summer? After this song, I'll come back up and I'll pray and I'll lead us into the closing of the service, but just enter into reflection right now as you listen to this song. <laughs>